very special all-star edition of High Heels and Heartache. Um, I hope that you are staying healthy and that you are staying home in order to help flatten the curve. Um, With the coronavirus, I figured that there would be some questions that you had um, that you would want the experts to answer. So I received a bunch of questions and I tracked down the right expert and this episode is just, you know, a Q&A trying to get your questions answered for you. Um, I hope that you enjoy it. This will probably be first in a series of a couple of these because there were a bunch of questions and I definitely want to get you the information that you need. So without further ado, here we go. All-Star episode number one. Is Dr. Denise Fournier. You might remember her from our episode on um, having mindful relationships and attracting mindful relationships and ending relationships mindfully. So Dr. Denise Fournier, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. When I got this question, I was like, I know the perfect person to answer this. (laughs) Uh, I think that this is right down your alley to help us. So here's the question that I got in, and I'm, I'm reading this just like I received. <laughs> my husband and kids are getting on my last effing nerve. I love them, but right now they are really irritating me. How can I stop these feelings? Mm. Well, first of all, relatable. (laughs) I'm sure that anybody hearing this is going to be nodding their heads and (laughs) recognizing themselves in this person and in this question. Um, I want to address the second part of the question first, which is how, you know, how do I get rid of these feelings? What, you know, what do I do to not have these feelings anymore? Which, which sounds like sort of the spirit of the question and say, you know, first of all, those feelings are normal and valid, especially under the circumstances. And not only under these circumstances, but always, it's really valuable and important work for us to make room for whatever it is that we might be experiencing, right? And to to know that it's okay to feel that way. And those kinds of emotions when it comes to people that we love and we otherwise care about can be really uncomfortable for us to sit with because of course, not only would we prefer to feel more comfortable and not so irritated and annoyed, but we also want to believe that we're, you know, thinking lovingly about the people that we care about and not finding ourselves, you know, so overwhelmed by them. And still, if those emotions are showing up in your experience, it's for a reason, right? And so before you think about getting rid of the emotions, maybe first allow yourself to just be with the fact that you're having that emotion. Because often what we do... Kind of like shove it down. Like step one is not like run from the emotion or run from being irritated by the people that you are. Yes. With. <laughs> totally. You know, there's an expression that some people might, might recognize, which is what you resist persists. Ooh, and I with like our emotions, that. yeah, with our emotions, this is exactly how it works. You know, if you imagine like, imagine that your leg was irritating you, right? And so you take your hands and you start pushing your leg away because you just, you don't want it near you anymore. You want to get rid of it. This can't be here. I don't want this. So naturally and, and logically, 
the instinct is to push it away, to use our effort to push it away and remove it from our experience. But what ends up happening is if you do that to your leg right now, what you'll experience is your hand and your leg become fused together. Mm-hmm. And so what you're actually doing is you're, you're deepening your connection to the very thing that you want to push away. And because it's already there in your experience, right, it's sort of insisting on continuing to be there. And so your resistance is creating more intensity around the whole thing. Your insistence mm-hmm. on pushing it away is almost like the very thing that's going to strengthen it and keep it present. And so with our emotions, it works just like that. We add almost like an extra layer of suffering to something that's already painful when we try to get it out of our experience. It's already there, right? So so allow it to be there. And like you said, step one is just sort of make room for the fact that this emotion is showing up. Okay. And then I want to say, you know, take a look at the fact that your life like all our lives, has changed in fundamental and critical ways. Mm -hmm. And the rules that applied a month ago, three months ago, no longer really apply, right, to to daily life. (laughs) The the context of life has shifted pretty pretty dramatically, you know, whether we like it or not. And quickly. Mm -hmm. Yes. We didn't get a say in it. We didn't get time to prepare for it. Uh, And we have very little control over how it's unfolding. And it's unfolding in our houses in so many different ways. So many of us are used to a certain rhythm in our lives that allows us room for our own private worlds, our own private pursuits, whether that's taking a shower with peace and quiet or going away to a job from nine to five or having activities that take us out of, you know, the family space and have us connect with friends or, you know, go to our yoga studio or, you know, even drive in the car to go one place or another. Now, suddenly that balance between individuality and togetherness is thrown completely off course. And so now we're thrust into this togetherness space almost exclusively. And that edges out, you know, the, the individual space, the space for us to hear ourselves, to regulate our emotions and to find our balance. Um, so what I, what I really encourage, you know, for, for the person who submitted this question and and for everybody who's at home right now with family is be willing to work from a different script, right? So be willing to change the rules around and be willing to be vocal about those rule changes and invite your family members into that. Um, the fact that, you know, this person is experiencing that level of irritation, you know, with her, her husband and her child, I would imagine is really a function of having too much togetherness right now and trying to work from the same script and the same old context in this new context and finding that it doesn't necessarily work. So where can you explicitly create room for alone time, right? For there to be separation Um, and to have it be a structured, planned, honored daily activity. You know, this is the time when we do our own thing, right? And this is the time when we come together and creating that kind of structure, not the kind of structure that you need to pressure yourself to maintain, but the kind of structure that's going to allow for a little more harmony and a little more adaptation. Yeah. Because probably, you know, like when this first happened, there was our, our family is like our safe space, right? Hopefully. So it was kind of like we needed each other to help us through it. Hmm. Now, sort of like we're in it, that's, it is time to maybe like take a little turn here and, and get back to the, the feeling of normalcy of, like you said, like maybe just like driving in your car was something that it gave you physical space from the people that you're now around 24 seven to just sort of manage. So I, I, I get what you're saying there about 
carving out some of that time because most likely we haven't done that yet. Mm -hmm. And that also can probably feel like, I mean, for me, at least people please are central USA here. (laughs) 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 Like you are doing something like that's mean to your family and speaking up and saying like, Hey, I need a minute here because I'm feeling irritated. Yeah, it can, it can feel uncomfortable and it can feel mean. And there's probably, you know, guilt for, for most of us in trying to adjust and adapt because if we're asking for that space then obviously we're asking that from someone and tucked into yeah. that is like, go away. Right. And so we don't <laughs> want to necessarily do that, especially under these circumstances, but it's, it's essential, right? You know, adaptation has always been essential to our survival, you know, as a species, as it is for all species. And here we are being faced with a completely new, uh, you know, sort of set of circumstances that in order for us to overcome, we'll need to adapt to and trying to, you know, think about that balance of individuality and togetherness. You know, this person, person who submitted the question is connected to her own experience of feeling irritated, but I might guess that her child is also feeling overwhelmed and and her husband as well, right? We are all individually going through our own version of overwhelm and we're all sort of finding our way through this and we all get overwhelmed easily when there is no room to breathe and when our structures are upended and our lives as we know them, the routines that give our lives some consistency, uh, when those get disrupted or those get, you know, completely dissolved, we all, you know, have emotional responses to that. So adapting and keeping up with all of that and finding new ways to keep that rhythm and that balance within ourselves and within our families is really, you know, essential. That's what we're being called to do at this time. It kind of reminded me of like, when you go on vacation with your family and then you go come back to work and you're like, I need a vacation from my vacation. (laughs) But that's sort of why is because like everybody is sort of pushed together in one place. There's this lack of sort of schedule, you know, everybody, it's it's a new reality that everybody's facing in this time, sort of uh, certainly not a vacation, but it's kind of similar to that where where you're having to sort of work out things in a different way than you would have in your quote unquote normal life. So something a lot of us are doing right now is spending a lot of time on social media, spending a lot of time watching the news, you know, tuned into what's happening globally in this situation and also tuned into other people sharing about their own experience. And something I've noticed with the clients I'm working with is it's really easy right now, even more than ever to fall into this trap of, I should be grateful that I'm around my family all the time. I shouldn't for a moment take for granted that I have this time with my child or with my spouse or in my home. I should feel, you know, grateful and I should feel guilty about the fact that I'm ungrateful in any moment because I'm not going through what other people are going through. And there's this sort of comparison trap that we can fall into when we tell ourselves that there's some objective standard for how we're supposed to be going through this experience and we feel like we're not measuring up to it. And that plays out a lot in our relationships with our family members uh, when, you know, now suddenly we're around them all the time and maybe emotions are coming up that we're telling ourselves are bad or wrong, you know, take a look at where that's coming from and is part of that coming out of some measure, you know, that we're making against a standard that, you know, we might be internalizing from what we're consuming, what we're reading, and maybe what other people are sharing about their experience. 
So not only are we feeling sort of <laughs> bad about being irritated with our family for, for being around them so much, but then we have this other layer of feeling like shame for feeling irritated because they could be sick. Okay. I, I get what you're saying there. So that's a whole other layer on here about, <laughs> about why this is just a, a complicated thing to sort of sort through. Definitely. And what I found wonderful about that question was that the listener like had an understanding that she wanted it to be better. You know, like she she doesn't want to be stuck in this kind of the weird space emotionally. So if we were going to tell her, all right, number one, let yourself feel it, kind of let it wash over you. Number two, set up some time that to be apart from yeah. the people that you love so much. And if they have a problem with it, tell them Dr. Fournier said you can. <laughs> yes, send them to me. Is there any other expert advice that you could give her? The, the biggest one and the final one is just take good care of yourself. You know, that anything that we're experiencing right now emotionally is an indicator to us of what we might need to be giving ourselves. We can't get the security, the comfort, the, you know, certainty from the outside world right now. And that's hard. It's hard to be in the space of not knowing. And that's an emotionally triggering event for everybody. And what we have available to us then is to go inside ourselves and and to give ourselves what we need to take good care of ourselves emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, physically. Um, And so, you know, turn to self-care, you know, whether that's just rubbing lotion on your body, you know, taking a few minutes to just connect with your body, whether it's exercising and making a commitment to, you know, to movement every day or meditating or taking a nap or whatever that looks like venting with friends, right? Talking, talking to other people and sharing the experience that you're having and allowing yourself you know, to be supported by others, whatever that looks like, make sure that you are doing everything possible to be well through this and to not guilt yourself or shame yourself or beat yourself up for whatever this experience looks like for you. That's really great advice. And I'm going to link um, this in the show notes, but you're doing something really cool on Instagram every day. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So since this whole self quarantining uh, started about three weeks ago, I've been doing a daily guided meditation Monday through Friday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, If you miss the live meditation, I make it available on my stories on Instagram for 24 hours, and soon there will be a dedicated website up uh, for people to access the archive of meditation so that any time in the day you can access any one of these uh, pre-recorded meditations. Uh, So that can be found on my Instagram, which is at Fournier. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for being on. You're always so helpful. I learned so much from you. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for doing this. This is so needed. Well, stay well. You too. Okay, guys, our next expert is one of my favorite guests ever. Um, partially because she was the first person to take the, the, the deep dive with me and the first person to ever be on high heels and heartache. So Dr. Candace Creaseman, welcome back. Thank you so much, Kendall, and always such a pleasure to talk to you. Um, when I read this question, I was like, oh, uh, Dr. Creaseman is going to help us out with this one. 
and I got it in a bunch of different forms, really, um, just sort of like swapping out different details. So here is your question. Um, the listener wrote in, I'm having trouble balancing working from home, keeping up to date with my kids' virtual learning, and checking in on my elderly parents. Every night I lay in bed and cry at all the ways I didn't do as well as I could have. How can I stop beating myself up? Hmm. Well, that question, first of all, I think it's important just to acknowledge that I hear so much pain, um, so much effort, so much, you know, such a strong desire for this person to be a caretaker for the people um, in their, their life. And that's such a noble um, and generous way of being, um, but it absolutely can lead to this experience of feeling like we're just never doing enough, never accomplishing enough, uh, never taking care of our, our loved ones well enough. So I think it's just important, first of all, to stop and say, you know, I hear the pain of that. Um, yeah. And this is such a surreal time that I think really does pull on our resources in ways that we have just no experience no precedent for knowing what we should be doing or how we should be doing it. Um, so how can I stop beating myself up? I think the first thing to do is just to acknowledge how ridiculous all this is, <laughs> you know, is just, <laughs> just take a minute and say, have I ever done this before? And if your answer is yes, then I don't know how that could possibly be your answer, but if the answer is no, then pause with that, you know, is acknowledging that it's, it's hard enough to do things that we have experience doing when it's difficult. Um, but this is just a whole other ball game. We just don't have any uh, reference point for that. Because doing any of the things that we are now doing simultaneously, just in isolation, doing any of those mm -hmm. things is hard. So now doing them all at once, there, I mean, there's, it, obviously it would be overwhelming. Yes. And things that we've, you know, particularly the aspects that we got kind of thrown into without any kind of roadmap or any kind of preparation, you know, so, you know, this person is mentioning keeping up to date with my kids' virtual learning. You know, I never signed up to be an at-home educator. <laughs> so <laughs> that's not a thing I just know how to do. So, um, you know, when you add to that, uh, trying to work in a, a completely new environment and possibly on totally new platforms, you know, if you're working online, um, to then this added escalated intensity, the fear and the anxiety that we have for our elderly parents who we know to be so much more vulnerable, so much more at risk. You know, there's, it's really, it's like trying to learn a new language. Um, you know, like if you're in a room full of bees, I just can't, be, <laughs> think of I can't even conjure like a good metaphor for this because it's so crazy. Um, but yeah, that's just, I think we, we just expect ourselves to perform at the same level, kind of regardless of the context. And that is just really a recipe for a lot of feeling defeated, feeling less than, uh, getting overwhelmed, you know, at some point we have to say this context is just more than I really have the skills to manage 
um, in the same way that I'm used to managing my everyday life. So what I hear you saying is like step number one is sort of acknowledging that we are kind of in upside down world right now. Absolutely. Like, things, things are not the same as they were a month ago. Right. And that the, the environment and the circumstances that we're trying to, if we were even trying to juggle one of these things in this circumstance, it would be tough. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So that's step one is just to kind of almost like, just like give in to the, okay, this is not the way that life used to be. Absolutely. Most of my experience thus far. Right. And I think there's so much, there's such a critical wisdom in this surrender, right? Uh Is to really being with reality as it is and acknowledging that this reality is unlike any reality that most of us have ever experienced because we can't go about business as usual um, in terms of how we are in our lives if our lives are now completely different, you know? Mm -hmm. So we can't know exactly what to do until we acknowledge what is. And what is is largely kind of changing from day to day, um, but it's very different from anything we've ever experienced. Yeah. Okay, so now we're doing that. Now we are surrendering. Mm-hmm. We have the critical wisdom that we need to know that this is sort of a, a different, a different context that we're living our lives. Yes. What's the next step to kind of relieve the pressure of having all of these new responsibilities and feeling like we're not doing a good job in mm-hmm. maybe even one of them, you know, like, right. Yeah. <laughs> Like sometimes it feels like, you know, just getting through the day and being just okay at everything. Maybe mm-hmm. that's enough. Like how can, how can you help us with that? Yeah. So um, after acknowledging this is completely different, um, I think the, the next thing that we have to acknowledge is that our urge to do, to accomplish, to fix, to complete a task um, Sometimes that is a way that we deal with the pain of change, the pain of grief, uh, the pain of fear. Um, you know, it's interesting because one of the first things that came to mind, and this is definitely going to date me, um, when I read this question was I had this image of um, Jessie from Saved by the Bell in that, <laughs> in that episode where she's taking all the caffeine. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah. <laughs> That is so spot on though. You're so right. So what happens when she finally collapses into Zach's arms in the realization that she is pushing so hard? She sobs, right? Like she comes in contact. I mean, not that Saved by the Bell is super profound necessarily, but that moment I think was very poignant because underneath all of this, I had, you know, overachieving and trying to do all the things was this real sadness First of all, I'm never going to let you back on here if you ever say anything negative about <laughs> ever again, okay? okay. It's, it's a I'm really, I'm, show. <laughs> I'm truly overcompensating because I actually do love Saved by the Bell. <laughs> so, but so, I, so I, 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 I hear what you're saying. It's like we're, we're taking on it, like the anxiety and the pressure and the fear and we're kind of like channeling it into this 
need to like be great. Yeah. Yeah. And that happens, I think on an individual level, but I think that's also really built into, you know, American culture, you know, is this um, way of seeing our worth as being directly connected to how much we can accomplish, you know, so it's, it's just so pervasive. So I think that's why we're, we're feeling that pressure maybe even most significantly in our work environments because our work environments are really just kind of hotbeds for that way of seeing um, productivity, right? Like you're a good worker if you're doing more, being more, you know, working the longer hours. Um, But that just becomes really problematic when um, we just go directly into overworking and overachieving rather than going to our actual hurt, you know, our actual kind of soft and tender hearts, which of course, during a time of so much uncertainty, you know, it's, it's our hearts that really need our attention the most. Yeah. So we're, we're, it's not wise to be sort of using, kind of like using achievement as the way to blunt the pain and Mm -hmm. fear and the anxiety. Yeah, I think that's a great way of framing it. Yeah, as a blunting mechanism. And I mean, certainly we do have to take breaks from our, our discomfort and, you know. Watch Saved by the Bell. Watch Saved by the Bell. <laughs> you know, I hear Tiger King is like a great way to go for that too. It's um, really good. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet. I'm nervous about the possibility of seeing animal cruelty. I won't be able to handle that. Like that'll be the thing that sends me over the edge. Yeah. Um, Okay. It's more about people cruelty. Than oh, okay. Animals. Yeah. Okay. I could probably handle that a little bit. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's not a great thing for a therapist. <laughs> hey, that, um, yeah. And there you have it. <laughs> <laughs> so when we're, we're, we're not going to be using work to blunt the way that we're feeling, yes. but you're just using work as an example. So right. you're not going to become the, the best homeschooler of all time during the pandemic. You didn't go to school to be a homeschooler. Right. You, you you have no other foundation of knowledge other than the thing that your your school district, your child's school district is sending you. So mm-hmm. how are you going to become a master homeschooler right now? Right. You're not, you know? And so that pressure uh, is, is really, it is distracting. And so there is that possibility that because we don't want to go to the pain of our uncertainty, we turn instead to these maybe more comfortable forms of discomfort, uh, like failure, like guilt, uh, overwhelm, you know? So if we're going to distract ourselves from our underlying discomfort with uncertainty, Uh, We need to do it on purpose and not just as a function of these patterned overachieving responses, right? Like it's, um, it's fine to want to put an emphasis on, you know, learning how to help your kids with their, their virtual learning. It's fine to put an emphasis on making sure that you're present for your parents or, uh, you know, trying to do a good job uh, in your work. And we have to make sure that we're not just reflexively putting that pressure on ourselves to be perfect in all those spaces. Gotcha. So we are acknowledging first that Mm -hmm. this is a different time. It's a different environment for us. Secondly, we have to acknowledge that. I I mean, I don't know any other way to say it than like lower the bar. Yeah. Absolutely. And don't, don't use, 
it's kind of like, um, and this is getting off topic and this is totally something else, but we have been conditioned to think overachieving is good. Mm-hmm. And so we don't think it's, there's anything wrong with it. It's not seen as unhealthy. Right. Kind of like how people sometimes call wine like mommy juice. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's making it socially acceptable. So it is socially acceptable for you to run yourself into the freaking ground mm-hmm. because you were trying to work from home, take care of your parents, take care of your children. But it's it doesn't feel socially acceptable for you to sit on the couch for a half an hour and cry and kind of mourn for our lives a month ago. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that that socially acceptable aspect of it is really important to look at, you know, is how we are conditioned by our environments to really see productivity as just the end all be all. Um, But, you know, there's this great thought, you know, quote that I'm not even sure who to attribute it to. I heard Thich Nhat Hanh say it um, at one point, which is that, you know, we are not human doings, we are human beings. Oh, I love that. Isn't that great? I mean, there's just so much in that thought, you know, but we really are conditioned to do by our environments when our natural inclination, if we can get, you know, away from the noise of all that moral imperative to be productive, we really are built to be you know, to be still, to be happy, to be calm, to be present. Uh, And so much of the behaviors that get reinforced as a function of being overly productive take us away from what's happening right now, you know. And in so many ways, I think the behaviors that this person is speaking about, you know, wanting to work, wanting to help their kids learn, wanting to be there for their elderly parents, you know, those are all manifestations of love and connection, for, you know, love of something, of meaningful work, you know, love of their kids and their family. But if we're just hell-bent on doing things the way we always have in a completely different context, we're going to get farther and farther away from what's available if we just show up to that love and that hope and that connection in the moment. Yeah. So what, what do we do, you know, like, okay, if we are taking all the steps that you've given us great advice about, but at night we still have this feeling that's eating at us of, I could have done better today. Mm. I could have been a better homeschooler. I could have been a better employee. I could have been a better daughter, son, husband, wife, child, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, what do we do when we're in that moment of beating ourselves up? Yeah. So in, in Buddhism, there's this idea of um, sort of healthy regret. And that's this idea that we really do need to be able to reflect on our choices and sometimes determine we um, didn't do as well as we had hoped. So there's room to say, you know, I really wish I hadn't snapped at my kid when they asked me for that 27th juice box. Um, <laughs> that sounds like a personal <laughs> antidote. Right I mean, <laughs> it could happen, right? So, um, you know, I, I wish I had, um, talked a little longer on the phone to my, my mom, who's really anxious, but I just didn't have the bandwidth to hear, you know, about one more fear or one more concern, you know, so there's room to say, I both wish I could have done better. And I set my intention to do better next time. 
Um, but we don't have to go down this really damaging path of, I made a mistake and so I'm terrible, you know, what a worthless and cruel mom I am, what a terrible, awful daughter I am. Um, you know, that doesn't solve any problems. Addressing behavior is how we can do better next time. But along with this healthy regret, acknowledging, yeah, I really wish I had done that differently. Also acknowledging that whatever we did arose from whatever was happening in the moment. So if we did yell at our kid, if we did, you know, say we had something we had to do to get off the phone with mom, um, chances are we were operating with as much as we had to give in that moment. That's we a have, great point. That's a really, really good point. Yeah, we have to have compassion for our own experience if we're going to have compassion for anybody else's. So part of being, I think, a caretaker is this thought that you kind of put your own needs second mm-hmm. in order to, to take care of others. And so what I'm hearing you say is we this is not the best time for that because we need to be taking care of ourselves too. Well, it's interesting because I think what so many of us perceive as the definition of caregiving, which is what you just described, right, which is putting your needs second or last, is actually the definition of a martyr. <laughs> oh, shit. Sorry. <laughs> that's like, that's not the same thing. But we're, again, there's that social conditioning, you know, especially as women, um, we're absolutely conditioned to see any sort of self-care as somehow taking away from what we have available to give to others. Um, and that's just not a good formula. Like it's just not even good math. Um, cause if we aren't showing ourselves compassion, if we aren't taking care of our needs, then we really don't have as much available to give to others. Um, so yeah, I think it's, it's really critical as we are being called into these, you know, roles of, of higher need of more intense caretaking that we don't get hung up on that, um, you know, martyred way of seeing kindness, of seeing compassion, uh, because it's just, it's a recipe for burnout, really. So what, what you're saying is there's got to be a lot of like level setting and expectation setting in our own mindsets here, as far mm-hmm. as we're just setting the bar too damn high. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessary that we, you know, if we do poorly at something to ignore it or not acknowledge it or not try to do better. That's, that's not what you're, you're saying. What you're saying is like, that's, that's gross. That's healthy. That's human, but also like give yourself a break. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, And you know, I I was just thinking like, you're, you're not going to get any, (laughs) you don't get anything from being a martyr, right? Like, unless you're going to become a a Catholic saint, like you're not getting anything from being a martyr, but you do, if you take care of yourself and you're nice to yourself and you don't beat yourself up, you're, what you get from it is you're able to be happy and you can care give in a loving manner. Yes, there's actually um, Venerable Rabina Corton is a, um, a Buddhist nun, and she said once um, in a teaching that if compassion feels painful or difficult or bad to you, then you are doing it wrong. Oh. <laughs> and I think, that, you know, what that brought up for me was this idea of, of martyrdom. You know, if you are giving from this place of obligation, from a place of 
constant self-sacrifice, always putting yourself second, last, you know, um, then yeah, you're, you're going to be giving from a place of emptiness and that one will not produce the same results for the people you're trying to help. And two, uh, will not be sustainable for you. So when we give from a place of openness and from a, a place of including ourselves and our own compassion, then whatever we do for someone else is going to feel even better to us and to them. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it's just, it kind of all goes back to that environment that you're talking about. That is just so different that we're just not used to operating in these different ways. Like mm-hmm. I've worked, I've worked from home for most of my adult life, but I've never had like webcam meetings with my whole team and my boss every single day. Mm-hmm. So there, there is anxiety there because that, that is a change for me. So I can't even imagine if you're not used to working from home, then having to deal with new technologies, to deal with, um, you know, like I said, webcam meetings. If those things make you uncomfortable, like be compassionate towards yourself. Have an understanding of, hey, this is new. This is different. Let me sort of take this in. Yes, absolutely. And then add to that all of the things that we take for granted that we are now doing on a daily basis or weekly basis with a higher level of anxiety. You know, so not only are we possibly doing things that make us more anxious in terms of, you know, learning new technologies or um, new skills, but I mean, just going to the grocery store, I mean, I feel like I'm walking into battle. Every time, you know, I'm so conscious of not touching anything and of keeping distance and of, uh, you know, if someone coughs, oh no, there's just so much more effort and energy emotionally that goes into even the most mundane kind of tasks. Yeah. All of that is, is energy, right? So whatever energy we we're putting into the, this new anxiety is, energy that is not available for, um, you know, the other things that we want to do in the day. And that's not to say that we're choosing to feel anxious. That that's another area where we can really bring this sort of open-hearted acceptance to is to say, yeah, everything is harder now, <laughs> Yeah, know? including the things that used to be very straightforward and easy. And it, it, kind of at the, at the same way, like I'm the kind of person who I love the grocery store. Yeah. <laughs> I like, like I write my little list in a very particular manner. I like to get certain things. I have a whole thing where I get myself a little Starbucks coffee during yeah. my shop. And when I went to the grocery store last week, as I walked in, I paused because I was fearful. Yeah. And I think that that's, that's what you're speaking to here is that all of our lives have changed in some way and that even the most small things that we so took for granted of just walking in the grocery store and getting your Starbucks with your little list are somehow different. So that of course is going to be there kind of like in our bellies at night when we're laying in bed and thinking about the day that, that that was a different experience for us as well. And it was a heightened experience and it just, different. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, well, this has been so helpful, Dr. Kreisman. I love having you on the show. I'm, I'm, I feel so lucky that you always are willing to sit down and talk with us. 
Well, it's always a pleasure. It's, you know, always gets me thinking and um, it's, yeah, I, I really appreciate your willingness. And I know that you've been on before. Um, we have a whole episode about silencing your inner critic, um, but you have like really cool stuff on Insight Timer that, can you talk about that for a second? So that yeah. person who asked this question and anyone else who's feeling like maybe they're having some inner critic uh, talking <laughs> points yeah. going on now, tell us, tell us about that course. Yeah, so uh, it's on Insight Timer. It's called Healing Your Inner Critic. Um, and it's a 10-day course with each day being about 10 to 15 minutes of content. And it's um, just a process for figuring out where some of that dialogue comes from that, you know, kind of chatters either in the background or very much in the foreground for some folks, you know, telling us we're not good enough, we're not achieving enough, we're not... Um, good enough in some fundamental kind of way. So um, I combine uh, strategies from mindfulness practice, from Buddhism, um, and from my psychotherapy practice to help folks feel like they can regain a little control, um, find a space of compassion and wisdom when they're used to feeling very led by a feeling of being less than. Oh, that's so needed right now. Well, as always, I will link it in the show notes so that we, we can find you easily. And thank you so much for being on the show. Absolutely, Kendall. And thank you for having me. Thank you again to Dr. Denise Fournier and Dr. Candace Creasman for being on this special episode of High Heels and Heartache. If you're interested in either Dr. Fournier's um, Instagram meditations or Dr. Creasman's um, Healing Your Inner Critic Insight Timer course, please check out the show notes because there are links there. Because of the number of questions um, that you wrote in, I'll be having several of these all-star expert episodes. Um, if you have any more questions that you'd like answered, keep them coming and I'll keep on inviting all of our favorites here to answer them. In the meantime, if you are in an unsafe or unhealthy relationship, there is help available. Please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at one 800 787 3224. Again, the number for the National Domestic Violence Hotline is 1-800-787-SAFE.